Now, when you say she's crazy, do you mean that crazy. specifically as she's, women? Or yes, or, or, I do. Exactly. Or, <laughs> Both. Or she is a <laughs> she collective of all of humanity. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yes. Yes. The Great Dive Podcast is hosted by your buddies, James and Brando. So this article is kind of about the different types of divers, risk takers versus anxiety people. I remember this article. Tough guys kind of thing. It's kind of of interesting. It's it's, it's a fun chat and it's it's pretty well done. I I think this could be a fun, a fun one. He's all right. Okay. Take two. Let's get this thing started. Let me ask you a couple questions. Shoot. On False. The, uh, scale of zero to eight. 69. Would you say you are um, adventurous? Where's, where would you fall adventurous level? Now in my mid-50s, um, yeah, I'm kind of bored with adventure. I don't know. Does that sound arrogant? <laughs> Doesn't it? What about when you were in your uh, mid-30s? Oh, I would eat it up. Eat it up. I was hanging out the back of a C-130. I was pretty adventurous. What about your tender-mindedness? Have you always been tender-minded? Fuck yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what does that even mean? Would you, would you consider yourself warm-hearted? Uh, on the rare occasion anymore. What about suspicious? Oh, yeah. Yeah? yeah. You're high on the suspicious you, level? I saw. <laughs> what were you doing when I went upstairs? <laughs> <laughs> is this going uh, into my FBI file? <laughs> Are you shrewd? Um, no. I think that of all those things you've said, that's the least of me. You feel you have a, a high... I have shrewd- a small shrewdness. I mean, I, oh, it's, I can't so it's be... So you're, oh, yeah, it's, it's, not right? oh, it's not absent. It's not absent. It's just not something I put a lot of um, value in. Is that because you're guilt-prone? Oh, shrewdness. Guilt-prone. <laughs> Am I about, guilt-prone? What's your guilt? Hmm. Are you guilt-prone, too? If I do something, I'm guilty. I I like do self-flagellation. Is that what it's called? Like those you those monks your, used to do. Yes. yes. What about? Do you feel you have a high ego strength? Uh, no. No. So that would be low. What about? Uh, I don't. Uh, in other words, I take that question as like you rely on your ego for your strength. I know that my ego is sensitive, but. By the same token, I don't put a lot of value in it. Like having a big ego, I don't look at that as as, as an admirable quality. Of course, I've made that uh, in the past fifteen to twenty years. I've make that 
a mission to try to eradicate it a little. I think you have too. I think that's part of uh, the the maturing of man. Well, then in some men, yes. Yeah. Yeah. And women. I, I, I would hope. I, women, I, I say, yeah, yeah. You say agree, that yeah. men collectively as a species Correct. of human. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I agree. Yeah, I think uh, I would hope that I, I'm seen as a or, a different man at my age oh, at 44 than I was at 24. Well, you know how, how often I say you're not the same person you were. But, yeah. You're so polishing these, it. You're polishing the, the statue, the bronze statue. <laughs> Getting it all shiny and perfected. One of the great sculptors was like when he created a masterpiece. You know, it was like those Roman Michelangelo. Yeah, maybe it's like I just chip away the, I chip away to reveal. It's kind of what you do as a human as you grow older if you're doing it right. You know, hopefully you don't chip away like an arm. Although Venus de Milo yeah, chipped yeah. away an arm yeah. and made it a big deal. Getting quite philosophic today. I uh, that's just that's the wheelhouse I drive. Were you were, were you <laughs> were you meditating when I came over today or something? No, oh no, just I felt bad because I took the dog out. But before that, she's been following me around, you know, since freaking five o'clock in the morning. And I went into the bedroom to uh, go get the headphones. She follows me in there, and then I walk out. But now she's like, "I'm going to go get into their shit." She likes to uh, pull my clothes up. If I have folded clothes there, she pulls them all on the floor and rolls around in them. I know. Oh, but she loves you. I got to refold it. <laughs> They're all f- covered with white dog hair, little tiny white hairs. And then she won't come because she's deaf. You're halfway down the hall. You're like, "Where are you?" You, you can't leave her in there because she'll just tear things apart. You can't leave her alone. She just she's crazy. Now, when you say. She's crazy. Do you mean that crazy. specifically as She's, women? Or, yes, or, or, I do. Exactly. Or, Both. Or she is a <laughs> she collective of all of humanity. Exactly. <laughs> yes. Yes. To both. But anyway, so I go to get her, and she doesn't want to come out. And I, I'm like, I had to like physically pick her up. And I'm, I'm trying to drag her by her collar, and she does not want to. She wants to stay in those clothes. And I was finally, I was like, you're coming. I picked her up, took her down the hallway, put her in the family room there. And uh, she knew I was mad. So she was hiding under the chair. <laughs> and uh, I had to try to coax her out. So I took her outside. I was feeling guilty because I was yelling at her. But it doesn't really, she can't hear a goddamn thing. So so you are guilt prone. I am guilt prone. Yeah, guilt that's, prone. I guess what, that's what I'm getting at. I'm very guilt prone. If I do something wrong, I'm uh, pretty hard on myself. Self-sufficient? If I'm by myself, yes. What about your self-sentiment level? What the hell is that? <laughs> <laughs> well, these are... Why are you asking are... <laughs> me? Why don't you? <laughs> self-sentiment. I don't even... What is so this, uh, these are personality factor questions. Oh. From the... Uh, I didn't know that's what they were. I would have given real... From Cattell's right uh, 16 personality factor test. These were questions asked for South African Navy divers, submariners... Navy non-divers, and civilian sport divers. South African, eh? South African. The old Springbokies. Um, the average was 5.5 on this scale. Out of? Well, I don't know that, what that, does that, that mean. zero to eight. Oh, oh yeah, the, yeah. The I remember were. you said that. It's interesting stuff because it, it looks at the, all these different divers and how they rated differently on, these, on this scale, on this personality factor scale. Well, let me ask you something, and maybe this should go in at the end of the show. 
you especially are in a unique position because you see the divers come through the shop. A lot of new divers, many veteran divers been out there a while. How would you compare their personality traits? Has it changed over the years? Because I think it has. The divers I see coming in nowadays versus the divers when I came into diving. Very subjective and obviously it's going to be tainted because of where I was with diving just coming yeah, into well, it, right? Certainly. I look well, around because, and I see uh, a certain view, right? There's a lot of, I think a lot out there that looks at diving as a whole of divers yeah. in general, which I think skews the numbers if you looked specifically at technical divers. Right. Well, that's Or if you look specifically going. at people who just live in northern Florida and all they do is northern Florida cave divers mm-hmm. versus people who live in Mexico and all they dive is Yucatan, Mexico yeah. caves versus somebody who only dives when they travel to a, a Caribbean liveaboard. I think you, you're going to always get a different number than if you took, Yeah, collectively. I'm a diver yeah. collectively. So I would ask, what are the majority of divers coming in now? Are they reef divers? Are they going into technical? I think very few are going into technical. Oh, I think very few as well, yeah. I mean, I think it's I, still, a, I think the numbers are big. Yeah. But they're still tiny in the, in the big scheme of things. Yeah. You know, when you consider the people buying the $500 driver who golf, yeah, you know, versus all the people who dive, who get into technical diving. Yeah. Right. There's, there's a lot, but the, it's nowhere near when you look at something big. Right. Like, like well, a, diving like, is just a, yeah, is a sliver of a, the activity business or whatever, the activity arena, if you want to call it that, like skiing and golf and. You know, you classify diving like that, don't you? Right, I do, hobby-ish. I do. Yep, yep, yep. But it, it's also thing about diving is it, it's not just hobby; it's it's work for some people, and it's not work like a professional athlete. It's work like a professional vocation versus like golf or skiing. That's a professional athlete. You know right, what I mean? It's right. not a skiing is not a practical application. It's a, it's still a sport. Versus diving is a practical application. A professional diver is very practical. It's a hardcore blue collar job. Yeah, yeah. yeah. If you're yeah. in the commercial, right? Realm. That's what I'm yeah, talking yep. about. As uh, far as a business, is, yeah, yeah. I got and you. even I got even you. Uh, an instructor, I, it starts to borderline that sport thing. But yeah, education, if you, were, if you sport, looked at skiing, right? You've yeah. got you know certainly you've got the ski instructor, right? That's and then education, you, and then sport. you've got that uh, guy living up in a in a cabin up in the French Alps, who's who's there just to drink wine and and maybe shoot down and and, and yeah. find somebody in the uh, in the oh yeah rescue kind of guy yeah. yeah I still classify that as kind of sport sport ish like I would classify rescue divers still on the border of sport not commercial yeah. I would yeah I mean until you get into military then it's it's pretty much work it's hardcore definitely not sport. No, if you're, I think if you're smiling when you get out of the water. It's probably sport. <laughs> I don't know. A lot of commercial divers love what they do. Oh, yeah. And yeah. they're smiling when they come. Oh, out. yeah. Well, divers are different. Actually, we should. Different um, than what? We should. Um, are you trying to segue? Yeah, this yeah, yeah. Well, no, we should start. Uh, <laughs> we should, we, we got to start yeah. the show. So we I see the wheels on. turning. Yeah. Hey, everybody. Welcome back <laughs> to the Great Dive Podcast. You're here with your. High ego strength, Brando over there. I'm not high ego strength. I thought and I thought I was high. Oh wait, high self sentiment. You're here with guilt prone, Brando. <laughs> guilt prone. 
I'm guilty of something. And you're here with tender-minded, imaginative, suspicious soul James. <laughs> <laughs> and we're talking about how different divers are. There's so many different divers out different there. Different from each other or yeah. different from the, the rest of the world? From the rest of the world. Some people think if you're a scuba diver, you're crazy. You know, that, there's a lot of people that, uh, I mean, just go into the, the quarry just to splash around in 30 feet of water. Look at me like, man, you're crazy, man. Dumb or crazy? Like my neighbor. Hey, where, where are you going? Ah, I'm you know, heading out to the quarry. Got, got some diving to do. Hey, man, you be careful down there. <laughs> I'll be all right, Tom. A lot of people die in those quarries. But to, but to them, you know, non-divers, it, you know, it blows them away what we do. You know, a lot like a lot of my family, they could look at a picture I have on a wreck in 200 feet of water or a wreck in 20 feet of water. And to them, it's the same thing. They, yeah, they don't they see no anything yeah. different. Yeah, yeah. I, in, used to, I used to operate under the, like, if you're not a diver, I don't have time for you. I used to really, that was like really in my mind. And I know that's not nice. <laughs> Maybe that's why I'm guilt prone. Let me check these so again <laughs> here. Uh, I think we would call that um, radical. No, I think in my defense, it radical comes from. Radical tension with a tendency towards high ego strength is how we would no, categorize it, that. It comes from being, and I don't mean this as a pun, but you're submersed in it. Like when that was all that wait, was wait, wait. in my mind. Did you say submersed, submersed or immersed? immersed. Oh. immersed. Because we have a, a great little article. <laughs> You're grasping, man. You're immersed grass. magazine. No, I meant submersed. <laughs> <laughs> no, you didn't. No, you didn't. <laughs> old Segway Jamesy. So we have a article from good old Immersed magazine. I don't know if we've done anything from Immersed yet. This was a quarterly magazine in the late nineties, early two thousands. It was the international diving magazine, by the way. It was. It was a good book. It was, you know, was that one of the birth early, of tech diving. Yeah, right in the the the, the growth of, yes. of that tech diving boom, right, mm-hmm. right that early 2000s era. It was uh, published by good old Bernie Chowdhury of The Last Dive fame. And in here is an article by Barbara Cruz, K-R-O-O-S. SS. I'm thinking she's South African, which is why we got the South African data. Is, is what, so I don't know if it's cross, just spelt a little different. But anyway, she's a PhD, clinical neuropsychology. Uh, says that she was an instructor with NAWI and Handicap Scuba Association and has had a number of stories in immersed over the years. Stuff about uh, decompression theories, PFOs, injury statistics, oxygen value, uh, some cool stuff. Cool. But anyway, she wrote this article, Divers Are Different. And this is kind of a big one. I don't, I don't know if we're going to be able to pull this off in one episode. Cool. So well, let's, it's going to be fun. Let's make it a two-parter. Let's just plan on making it a two-parter. That way we can relax and talk. We don't have to, we don't have to be hurry rushed. through complex now in the, subjects. In the in the the lead up of the of the article, the big old you know two page great color photos of yeah. some classic era late nineties era uh, cave, tech, tech cave yeah. techy mustached men divers you mustached. know <laughs> mustached with their big old some some big old old school yeah. three window those big old yeah. metal framed aqualung masks you know. 
can lights, you know, the mm-hmm. the size of street lamp Small posts. garbage cans, yeah. <laughs> the good old days, the good old days. I got an hour and a half burn time on this 50-watter, 50 50-watt 50 halogen where you put it next to like a, even a crappy LED, backup you know, handheld little. backup. It's like a dim candle next to it. Yeah, yeah. Remember that? Yes. I still got, I think I got about a half dozen like light heads that were halogen out in my shop there. They're nothing. Yeah. I mean, they're literally nothing. Yeah. They're literally nothing. Like, I, I think, I literally think I would light a candle before I would use like a flashlight that I used 15 years ago. <laughs> like, if the power went out. <laughs> like, I look at them like, how did, how did we even this? see? And we were thinking, wow, look how bright that is. But, you know, those halogen bulbs that you get, they were cheap. That was the beauty of those. I mean, right. 200 bucks for a light. That was that was like an expensive can light kind of deal, and uh, you'd buy a hundred watt halogen bulb. You'd have to have that giganto battery, you know, lead acid gel battery that would uh, last you an hour if you're lucky on that hundred watt. Right. But um, if they would make powerful LEDs that still had that same connection, I would have a lot of LED lights. <laughs> <laughs> I liked them because they had the, uh, you know, the adjustable focusable beam, but I also had my video lights with that too that I could put on, uh, you know, you just stick the test tube, you know, it's the test right, tube yep, halogen, yep. stick that inside there. So I got all that shit. It's useless now, but if only I had LED lights for it. Technology. It's not all bad. <laughs> People are like, who was saying it was bad? Um, <laughs> so back to the the conversation about some say you have to be crazy i was trying to segue (laughs) into crazy (laughs) some say you have to be crazy to dive while others say diving makes you crazy Hmm. (laughs) which one is it everyone seems to think that divers are different they are more group oriented enthusiastic adventurous and confident than average and more likely to enjoy taking risks According to some studies, other research has found divers to be more socially isolated, avoidant, anxious, and obsessive compulsive in their need for control. I would say the socially, well, at least for me, socially. What well, this seems to be like yeah. uh, complete opposites. You know? Yes, that's what you I know? mean. So what? what is it? It's a little and Barbara says, what's the truth behind this apparent paradox? A little both. Well, I think that's just human beings, period. Humans are a paradox. Nobody is one thing. Like, nobody is all of one thing. Nobody just gets up and says, I'm evil, and that's it. That's all I am. There's no complexity to me at all. Just dark evil. And nobody is that angel either. You think somebody's really, you know, like James thinks my wife is an angel. No, I bet she has some evil thoughts occasionally. No, Lee does not. (laughs) Do you see what I'm saying? Everybody's a paradox. So, yeah, of course divers are a paradox. Well, thanks for listening, everybody. (laughs) I I hope I didn't. I I was just trying to No, we don't need to do two weeks. No, you do have to do two weeks because I think you can can kind of spell it out why now. I mean, that would be my thesis to this this, uh, introductory paragraph. Well, I think if we look at, like, right from this little sidebar that looks at, you know, divers are group-oriented, enthusiastic, adventurous. Some, yes. And, uh and more confident than the average person. I think a lot of Some are. new mm-hmm. divers getting into training that uh, 
certainly sounds like a lot of them, right? They're mm-hmm. looking for, you know, another, a new group activity to get into. They're, they're confident that they, that they can do more than they really know. Yeah, you breathe, you swim. How hard can it be? Yeah, I can do that. And then I think the people that really get nerdy with diving are often that obsessive compulsive person. Yeah, you but know, can I can like I if you're say gonna one get into thing a, about obsessive like if you're going to get into though, rebreathing, you kind of have to be. You have to ab- have great attention to detail. Correct. Right? You have to be disciplined. You know, you can't be lackadaisical. You have to be focused. So though those are qualities of yes, of obsessive compulsive, especially getting ready f- to go diving. Right. So right, right. I'm getting my camera stuff together. And I'm not saying this against my wife. This it has nothing to do with good bad anything it's just i have to say don't interrupt please i'm getting my camera together got it all apart i've got my o-rings out i'm cleaning everything yeah yeah i don't want to be a dick about it but by the same token they're they just come in and start talking to you because that's how a dad's life is is they just interrupt you at any time but then you forget to put the o-ring in there goes your camera correct so that is kind of where i'm going yeah um so, like I mentioned, for starters, the rebreather diet. Right. And it's a necessity. Second, but secondly, yeah. I would say the photographer. Oh, yeah. You have to be right? somewhat obsessive. Which, which is different focused. than like the new person getting in and, yeah, I want to take some pictures too. Right. And they, they pick up the, the $800 combo pack. Or, yeah. Camera, or a GoPro. Is different than somebody having 10 grand worth of yeah, photo a lot equipment. Of, yeah. A lot of money into it. And, uh, but that also is a draw to, yeah, to yeah, me. I, I mean, I love doing this. I love. The complexity to a certain degree. As I get older, it it becomes less attractive to me. Less. Well, you intriguing. find a, you find a piece in that getting yeah. ready. Yeah. Yes. Exactly. Uh, like a cave diver. Right. Getting ready yes. for a for you know planning for a dive is is different from somebody just showing up on a cattle boat in the yeah yeah in the Caribbean just to jump in and follow the dive master. Yeah, it's more team too. I mean, we believe even the Caribbean boat should be team oriented. But the team aspect of a cave diving team that's really more intimate and more complex and more, I don't know, it takes, it takes a bigger commitment. So the team is closer, you know. It's not like you can become a team with any, I, I don't want to say any Joe Schmo, but any halfway decent diver, you have similar training. Okay, we're a team. We're going in. Now, I don't do that with cave diving. Like I go in with cave divers I know. Well, because the, conse- the consequences of a yeah. of a screw up are right. much greater. So that team aspect, it's a little more intimate. It's a little more. Uh, you have to rely on them more, or you have to realize I may have to rely on them. Which is where people get yeah. avoidant, yes, and isolationist, yes, because they don't. Maybe that's where it all. They came don't from. want. You just cracked. They don't like a psychologist. Just cracked the the egg here. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Identifying the people who are drawn to diving and finding lots of them is a matter of rising concern among military recruiters and sport diving industry leaders. Modern warfare and counterterrorism efforts are placing a stronger emphasis on building special forces. Meanwhile, industry leaders seeking ways to counter the flat market for scuba diving have turned to enticing sport divers into technical diving a realm they eschewed when Immersed was founded in 1996. Extreme diving may require or shape an even more unique personality, 
military studies show that characteristics considered unusual, maladaptive, or even abnormal in everyday life may prove uniquely adaptive given the demands of the job. And while some traits have changed, more than 25 years of research of military and sport diving and the personalities associated with them show some consistency over time. And this is definitely the time where all of the big agencies ended up having a tech branch, basically. When it was starting, yeah. Right. Yeah. But, you know, this is where the tech spinoff of a lot of agencies came up. The extended range of a lot of agencies popped up in competition. With INTD. Right, right. And because a, of the competition was yeah. tech-based agencies mm-hmm. were growing. So a lot of the big guys were like, well, we need to diversify or die kind of thing. Right. Yeah. And then as they did this, you started to see. I don't think it was diversify or die. Do you think it was diver- I, w- I think it was more like first. And the reason I say that is because they were against it. At least the biggest one was against like, do not go there. If you go there, we're booting you. Then they did a total flip. And that's why I don't think it was diversify. I think it was, we want that money. They yeah, knew they, were, okay. they had the I, recreational. I yep, I get you there. And that's the main portion of the money. And that's why you still have shop owners that refuse to be kind to tech divers. They really dislike them because, well, because they know recreational living. is their bread and butter. Yeah, yeah. They don't believe the two can coexist in the same dive shop. Right. Which blows me away still in yeah, 2019. Exactly. Like, exactly. How... It's a, th- what era are you living in? Well, it's kind of like if you relate it to, to humans and, you know, it's almost like racism. It's divism. Divism. He's a divist. Jocks versus students. Exactly. Jocks versus students. It was burnouts, man. Jocks versus burnouts. Jocks versus the burnouts. No, Or fry brains. Did you call them fry brains or burnouts? Well, you were burnouts. 10 years. Yeah, we were called you them burnouts. You were burnouts. We, well, now, see... I was older than you. They were fry brains. Burnouts were kind of just, they just smoked cigarettes. The fries were fried. They're into anything, <laughs> man. Fry brains. Well, Barbara, fry brain. Barbara's talking He's a about fry brain, jocks man. versus students. <laughs> Whether participants in active sports differ from those who are not is a question Warren Martin of the University of Texas and Fred Merrick of the University of Alabama set out to answer in the 1970s. They compared 135 skydivers, 105 scuba divers, and 134 snow skiers with 302 male undergraduate business majors using the Veldman and Parker's adjective self-description test. I love the Veldman and Parker adjective self-description test. That's one of my favorite self-description tests. This test measures how people characterize themselves and present themselves to others. By the use of adjectives. By the use of adjectives. Through the use of adjectives, yes. They concluded that an individual's choice of sports has a complex symbolic value for self-image and how one wishes to be perceived. Sports participants tend to describe themselves as being cruder and more offensive in social situations while business majors see themselves as better-mannered, more careful, 
and more conventional and social behaviors. Well, that's an easy one. Though. Yeah, of is that, I mean, business I mean, business people are all about all you got to do is convincing go to any, you to get into any to give you their tailgate. money. Yeah, but I mean, a business major, their their and, yes. life is taking the money out of your pocket and putting it into theirs or the people they represent. Yeah, that's no what business is. Is I have something for you that I want to get more money than it's cost me to get because that's what profit is, and that's all. Business that's all it is, is right? at the end of the day, right? I mean, if you break it down, so of course they're going to be schmoozers and liars and salesmen. Notice how I grouped all three of those <laughs> together: <laughs> schmoozers and liars and salesmen. The salesmen are, and, and lawyers. I forgot the lawyers in there, but uh, of of those four people, those four types of people, which are the lowest in your book? <laughs> no, it's it's tied for salesmen and lawyers. The normative group rates itself as tenser and more irritable, while the active sports participants indicate a calmer, more confident emotional condition. This suggests that athletes have more confidence in themselves and their ability to influence their environment and supports the popular stereotypes of athletic versus non-athletic types. A point not addressed is whether the differences were enhanced by the author's choice of business majors as a normative group, since they may be more conformist or corporate and polite than average than an Thank you. average college I student. Would agree. But let me ask you yeah. this. Just because they're a business major doesn't mean they weren't an athlete. My son is an athlete and he's a business major. Did they say they're they those business majors were not athletes? These were just business majors. Not that into never, athletics. That did no Is, athletics. Did they it doesn't ever go do in, athletics? It, well, it doesn't go. No. You're going way more into detail than they well, give. Be, so I, yeah. I can only assume that her control was people just business, not involved in. Can't athletics. assume a science, but here's, and the reason I say that I love having my kids in sports, not because I'm living vicariously through them, and not because I, I'm a sporto and believe in you know total domination via human athleticism. Anyway, I believe in it a lot because it does exactly what they say. The confidence. Yeah, it gives you confidence. It teaches you to work in a team. In a team. And that's, I mean, that's those are the biggest things I wanted my kids to get is when you're part it of a team, you, it's bigger it gives than you. you strength and you have and perseverance. Yeah. Perseverance, the never quit thing. The three biggest things I would, that I push on them is you're not allowed to quit. It's out of your realm of thought. And that's what athletics if you have a good one right good coach good team and good upbringing you don't quit you never quit you, no you can't you're gonna leave because it on the got, field you've got everybody else relying on you, you know yeah. when you yeah when you're on a team of 15 people and no matter how beaten and worn out and exhausted and tired you are the moment you admit to that you know you've just let 14 guys down so, so you can't ever do that so yeah something that you're gonna have and learn in a sport like that, definitely, if you can carry that over to your everyday life, is going to make you so it a, teaches a, a wonderful, right? Yeah, it's a wonderful uh, value to and learn. And you got to start it as a kid, and you keep it going. But it teaches you that it, it instills that characteristic in you. Also, the skill, the the reward of discipline and training, is a is whether it be playing an instrument or doing athletic, a skill, even kicking the soccer ball around. Yeah, what are you going to do with that when you get older? Nothing, but what did you learn from... I'm going to kick this ball right in your face. <laughs> <laughs> but you learned that you put the time in, 
and you became good at something. And it took, even when you didn't want to go to practice, you practice. But you get a certain enjoyment. You know, that's that whole get in the flow. There's a meditative aspect to being skillful at anything. We get that from diving, too. I mean, I feel I do. So when you're good at it and you're into it and it's flowing, like you're not worried about anything else. You're just in you're that. in the moment. You're, yeah, yeah. yeah. Which so the that question, kind of thing so is, the question is, is comes, athletics. Is that something that diving has taught you, or is that something that you have, which is why you are in diving the way you are? I think, I think that's where the, I think that's I think a lot of what uh, she's exploring in these personalities. Yeah, I think uh, I would agree it's a too. vicious circle. I shouldn't say vicious, but it's a circle. One causes the other, and the other causes it. So, you know, it feeds itself. Yeah, you get drawn to, yeah, to maybe, diving, right. or you get drawn to soccer like your kids. You get mm-hmm. drawn to rugby like I did mm-hmm. uh, for certain things. Right. And then the game, whatever your game is, diving or whatever, teaches you something about yourself. And I think a good instructor should help you learn those big traits that are going to help oh, you yeah. outside of just being underwater for one hour. Right. I mean, a good instructor will, but you also have to be a good student. I mean, it's one thing you're trying to teach them this and show and show them like this way we approach diving isn't just for diving. It's a, it's yeah, a yeah, life yeah. approach in many ways. Well, and I think that's what I mean when I say a, a good instructor, because a, a a good instructor is going to be able to see the the differences in his students, right, in a way that he can teach differently to each one of them and get the most out of them yeah versus just hey this is a mask you need it to see this is a regulator <laughs> you need it to breathe these are fins here's your card let's go diving yeah but you got to have that student that wants to learn that stuff yeah which I, again i go to that's the rare student i agree i agree I mean, most of them, they just want the card. They want the card, and they want to go blow bubbles down in a reef. They, and, they, uh, they don't see the big 20, 30-year picture right, and that's of, where, of, of who they're really going to be at the, end of the, at the end of the game. Yeah. and what? Well, they don't see what they can get from diving. They don't see, like, this can be something that can change your life. It really reveals who you are. All that, you know, know thyself kind of thing, that's diving. This will teach you who you are if you let it. Yeah, yeah. Like, oh, these questions are great. The problem is they really, like, they they key into different, very deep, complex. They're uh, really keying into your high ego strength. My high ego strength. I don't know about that. <laughs> and your and your tender-mindedness <laughs> and your suspicious, guilt-prone <laughs> self-sentiment. What about the risk-taking tough guys? You ever run across those guys uh, uh, in, in scuba over the years? Navy SEALs? <laughs> <laughs> you mean the Navy SEALs that aren't really Navy SEALs that come into the dive shop? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, those to me are among the highest level of obnoxious to me. I, I just, you know. There's, there's I, I see different types of the risk-taking tough, tough guy. guy. Yeah. There's the... I, I see calculated risk-taking tough guy, and I see yeah, foolish risk-taking tough guy. Yeah. And again, a, a lot of times they're grouped into one type of risk-taking tough guy, but there's different ones out there. Right. right. There's the, there's right. the guy yeah. who wants to go to 200 feet, so he knows that breathing air isn't the most logical choice when we look at the science of it. And trying to decompress breathing the same thing you were breathing at 200 feet 
you can do it, but it's not it's, it's not the smart, logical, scientific way to do yeah. it. It's not right. So time economic. So you've got that guy that's going to put that mm-hmm. and do that two hundred foot dive, yeah. and then you've also got the guy that well the the wall just goes to two hundred yeah. feet. I got this eighty on my back. I'm going to go down and just do it, and then. But and then at the end of the day, what are his reasons the, for doing it? Yeah, is my somebody question. from the outside looks at just two risk-taking mm-hmm. tough guys that went to two hundred feet. Yeah, they don't see that one's doing it responsibly. And uh, to me, there's again a certain level of satisfaction and enjoyment and reward of getting into an activity in that in depth where you have to do the research, you have to become educated, you have to practice, you have to get the right equipment, the right gases. You have to put an investment into it. And then the reward is you are you overcome, you know, a natural obstacle of two hundred feet of water. Right, uh, right. Versus the guy who says, Well I got this air and I can breathe it underwater. I'm going to see how far I can go underwater with this. Yes, this air scuba tank. Well, we we did a four part episode of of people taking yeah. air to those extremes, right? We mm-hmm. we saw where where that took us. Um, the strategic importance of getting top performance from individuals and groups, given the consequences of failure, has motivated military personnel testing and selection. Between 1970 and 1996, Robert Robert Biersner and his colleagues at the U.S. Navy Experimental Diving Unit, Panama City, Florida, studied Navy divers' social development, psychiatric incidents, betting preferences, and personality characteristics. In 1970, Biersner and Bernard Cameron reported divers to be generally mentally healthy and to share certain personality characteristics. Their mental health was shown by normal range scores on the Minnesota Multiphasic Personality Inventory, the MMPI, which is an instrument widely used to screen for psychopathology. Hmm, interesting. Yeah, so uh, relatively normal ranged psychopathology. Right, normal psychopath. For the uh, <laughs> us, <laughs> us divers are normal us psychopaths. Psychopath. Yes, exactly. Well, here, here's sharing. A, when yep, you throw ahead. out the word normal, what does that mean? That is means, it the majority? Yeah. So we can live in a in a world where we're sick and the majority are sick, but that's normal. Correct. That, so yeah, our, yes, but what's the, are, what is sick? Is that abnormal or is it unhealthy? Is that what sick is? That's because I just throw that word out there. And I guess what I'm getting at is the term normal is thrown around, but we don't it's really... It's subjective. Do, yes. It's, I would say it is very subjective, yes. And that, is that right, though? Is that is that the way things should be? Is like, okay, well, normal, because kind of well, they're saying psychopaths are out there, is, sociopaths I think are out it's there. got a lot to do with the time. Yeah, what if the world right? just becomes a bunch of psychopaths and sociopaths, and that's normal? This was 1970 to 1996. Yeah. There's articles from 2003, and I think what she's saying is, is trying to use this data in reference, and does it still apply in 2003? And I think you and I and mm-hmm. all of our audience can have this same conversation in 2019. Yeah. Again, and, and is what is normal today, was well, it normal in exactly. 1990? Right, that's what I'm getting at. And, and again, what is normal? It's just the majority's rule. 
Damn right. Sharing a characteristic profile on Alan Edwards' personal preference schedule, they scored significantly higher than average on the aggression and change scales and significantly lower on affiliation and nurturance and interception. <laughs> These scores support the stereotype of military personnel and divers in particular as healthy, self-sufficient, adventurous, tough guys. The authors observed, divers tend to be more individualistic, unsympathetic, and unreflective. Yeah, fuck them. As well as more <laughs> aggressive, active, and asocial than control subjects. I love that unsympathetic. Would you characterize yourself as unsympathetic? Well, not me, because uh, I think I'm a different type of diver than what they're describing here. Okay. I think they're describing a, 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 military, a diver. military diver who is probably a solo mentality military diver like they've got this so. mission to go do but they're, and they're going to be un- they don't leave, unsympathetic to a team member no i, I, I would disagree military especially in the diving world military is team it's team at all cost that is the military divers have strong needs for change and variety and are probably easily bored divers also were found to be risk takers they made much larger bets than did the average Navy enlisted man, an especially remarkable finding, giving this group's legendary love of placing bets on just about anything. I would I would say that about, I don't know, I, I can only speak for myself, but as far as unsympathetic, I think that when they're using it there, I don't think they're being like, I'm unsympathetic to my team member. I'm unsympathetic to everyone who's not my team. In other I, words, I could, like I when I, that. it's us them, it, it, you know that's a military thing. Is you, when you're going in, this is our enemy now, and who is not us is the enemy kind of thing. And I shouldn't say it like that, but anyway, like you have no problem inflicting great damage on the other side if you are unsympathetic to them. If you are sympathetic to them, you're going to hold off. You're going to you're going to give them mercy at times. Sure, I get right? that. And and they were looking that's why at the military. The military personnel in general unsympathetic yep i'm with you and they said that divers in particular had that that score basically of of being healthy self-sufficient and adventurous yeah being individualistic unsympathetic and unreflective is what it's really unreflective I could probably more, see more, that too, and, and I think that's and I think oh, that, of course, right? And I think if you're going to be in the in the military, you're going to have to have a lot of those traits, depending on your job. Yes, yeah, yes, you're going to. It may also draw that type of person. You have to understand that it's a voluntary military, so it will draw someone who already is overly aggressive. Like, yeah, no doubt, I like doing this shit. Where can I do it and get paid? Correct. Yeah. If you are a pacifist, you're probably not in line to join the Marine Corps. No, no. Right? Not not necessarily, yeah. As you can tell by like a full metal jacket, Joker, you know, <laughs> right. who was a pacifist who got drafted into the uh, Marine Corps. But see how that went. See what happened to him yeah. too, though. The, the, yes, we do right here. Well, it's just anxiety, like... Uh, yeah. Anxiety problems. Well, it's just like somebody who goes into prison. They're not likely to be rehabbed they're likely to become a criminal when they come out true so that 
and I get I guess what I'm even someone who isn't a criminal that goes to prison is more likely to come out as a criminal. In other words, the the parallel is you weren't that way when you went in, but that that particular institution can do that to you. Well, yeah, because you're you're definitely yeah. going to learn in that yeah. environment. Okay, so let's move to anxiety problems. Although divers generally appeared to be mentally healthy, a closer look revealed that they have histories of getting into trouble. (laughs) In 1973, Biersner compared 95 Navy divers with 93 non-diving personnel with similar demographics. The divers had significantly more instances of running away from home, playing hooky, receiving traffic tickets, and being arrested for non-traffic violations. Yeah. Well, let's look at that. What would you believe is the cause of that? Because if you look at all of those things, they're like, don't box me in. Don't tell me what to do. Don't box me in. I'm not... Uh, going to yeah. fit it sounds my, like the traits of a uh, self-sufficient adventurous yeah yeah sounds like the traits of a, a healthy self-sufficient adventurous tough guy well, in, in some ways you know isn't that somebody you want in that kind of job i mean do you want someone who's all that has to happen is someone come and say no you can't do that he's like okay or do you want someone who's like fuck you i know everybody says i can't do that but that guy's life is dependent on me i'm gonna go do it and he does not, you know, those those kind of restrictions, that mental box, that mental restriction is not on that person. So he's able or she's able to accomplish a lot more because they don't take no for an answer. Yeah, they're, they're willing to take on more mentally. They're willing to break the, rules. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Will, and, the, and taking on more mentally than, than the average person. In a 1974 study, Beersner and D.H. Ryman found that more than twice as many Navy divers were admitted to the psychiatric service than the Navy average for that age and pay grade. They also had more diagnoses of situational maladjustment, yet more divers diagnosed with character and behavioral disorders were returned to active duty. The antisocial behavior of military divers may be tolerated more within the diving community than is true of the antisocial behavior of matched controls, the authors had said. So that the antisocial behavior is accepted and tolerated there within the diving community. For probably what you were just saying. Yeah. Beersner and LaRocca in 1983 found that Navy divers suffered from more social adjustment problems, and were more autonomous and less dependent on others. However, the divers reported fewer negative moods and more positive moods. On J.B. Rotter's internality and externality scale for locus of control, divers viewed themselves more as masters of their fate rather than as passive victims or beneficiaries. I would think so. Divers had significantly fewer and less friendly interactions with others, according to the socialization scale of the California Personality Inventory. The old California Personality Inventory. And lower levels of chronic trait anxiety than average. Using the state trait anxiety inventory... (laughs) 
penetrate subscale. <laughs> it's it's funny that they have to list or state the. Uh, I get it because it's a scientific right, experiment right. It's, it's, and, yeah. and they're compiling data. So you have to do this, but it's just hilarious that they have these, these quote unquote inventories of personality traits and yeah, it's <laughs> right. It, it, it's, it's such a, uh, it's such they've a broken humanity down to just words. It's just words and, and data, which personally I don't agree with, but adjectives. Yes, it's the adjective. That's test. all we are. Well, it's, We're all it's just adjectives. Uh, you know, as it, many scientists say, we can just be broken down to our components, and this that's it. this suggests that divers have less built-in anxiety. They also scored higher than average on the thrill and adventure seeking, and significantly lower than average on the experience seeking and disinhibition scales. South African researchers Charles Van Wick and A.J. Waters later concluded that Beersner and LaRocca's findings, quote, would imply that U.S. divers compared with first-year college males acknowledge a higher interest in and preference for risk that evolve higher physical danger, but more often avoid mental and social activities that are novel or unconventional. So they like to be doing something adventurous and exciting and intense but, rather than just being around a bunch of uh, yeah. born old uh, people. Doing beer bongs. Right. They, they Playing want quarters or beer, <laughs> quarter beer pong or whatever. Yeah, I uh, would concur. I think they bore easily with that shit. That's all. Well, I think that's, yeah, right where they're going to. Yeah. they. I would say that there's a goal orientation that is a high value in them. Yeah. Right? There's something that they want to seek a goal for and have a reward for and an accomplishment of having done. Probably, yeah. But they don't want just an experience. They want to work towards a goal versus, and we were talking about this, there are people that just want to go blow bubbles in the Caribbean reef once or twice or whatever, and there are people that want to reach a goal, that want to train they want to invest time, effort, brain power, money. You know, they want to put an investment into something to grow. They grow from it. Yeah. I don't think you grow from, you don't grow too much. I mean, you grow from everything, right? But you don't grow that much diving a reef at 50 to 60 feet or whatever a few times or even 100 times. It's a reef. It's, it, it, it's not going to push you to your limits. Where some people well, want to be pushed. I, okay, well, so, maybe that's their personal so, yeah, limits. Yeah, yeah, I get yeah. it, so, but it's not really. This. It's I their would, perceived personal limits. Yeah, so I would say this. Real if limits. you get in the water and you go there to just turn your brain off and look at the beautiful sights and just drift down the reef until your computer beeps at you and it's time to come up, I would agree. You're not growing. You're doing that same exact so it, dive yeah, for the 500th yeah. time. You're growing, but it's minuscule. It's different than putting a than knowing that you're going to. You're going to have to be on. Accept the limitations of what you're taking with you, yeah. and and work your way home within those tools that you have. Whether that's a a fifty foot dive on a spare air that you're figuring out how to yeah. do, or you're doing a you know a, a multi hundred foot 
deep dive. Yeah, I get, you know, I, I get what you're saying. You're saying everybody has their own limitations, but I, I also believe that people doing a thirty to sixty foot reef dive that believes that that's their limitation, that's a self imposed limitation. You know, and this is a difference in military. You know, that old forty percent thing, and oh yeah, yeah. You know, so people limit themselves. Here is yes. with these are what's making these military divers, these Navy divers, right. different from the rest of the military. They know and their think, limit is much. I think farther. there's a there's a correlation between the, the the mindset of somebody who's doing a technical level dive versus somebody who just wants to get in the water, yeah, and not have any cares in the world, different mentality, right? So that don't give a fuck, tough guy, self-sufficient, he's probably the person that's not content with just yeah. cruising along the 30-foot reef. Probably. Because mm-hmm. right? he's a tough guy. He's a bad boy. Intrigued by these bad boy divers, Beersner and Mark Dembert and Mark Browning at the U.S. Naval Submarine Medical Research Laboratory studied 52 U.S. Navy divers. From this group, they chose 19 with the most pronounced history of antisocial behavior before and during their military careers, and 17 with the least antisocial behavior. They reported in 1979 that the group, they reported in 1979 that the groups were similar on verbal intelligence, frequency of diving, frequency of dive accidents, and frequency of dives deeper than 50 feet. The more antisocial group was slightly older, had more diving experience, had received slightly more recognitions, and was slightly more likely to volunteer for night dives. Yet, they also were less likely to volunteer for cold dives and were slightly more likely to go on sick call. Rather than being the tough guys, these divers' responses to the Cornell Medical Index showed them to be significantly more anxious or neurotic. The older guys? Than the divers with the least history of trouble. So the, those guys with the more antisocial behavior yeah. ended up testing on the medical index as more anxious, yeah, more neurotic. They're getting older. And they were, I don't know about they the, were the older yeah. ones. Yeah. Well, I was going to say the antisocial comes they as mind. you get older. You're just tired of it. They're tired. They didn't want to be cold anymore. Well, don't. I mean, think about it. You know, it's it's the old guy out on his lawn yelling, "Get off my lawn!" It's not the young guy who's. You lose that hunger to to want to please people. All the you know, you all of a sudden you start to see people for what they are. High quality people, you give your time. You're more social with. If they don't prove to be high quality, you're not wasting your your time becomes limited. Time becomes you know, of the limited. essence. Yes. Sure. As you get older and older, you're like, okay, that that window's shutting. You're when you get past that hump, the window's shutting. It becomes more visible every day, and you're going. I don't have time to waste with everybody. A lot of people don't deserve your time. Truth. Okay? I mean, that, yeah, that, that's that, just that, the way uh, it is. Yeah. That doesn't mean they can't develop into high-quality people. What that means is a lot of people are just existing, and they're getting in your way of you living your best living life. life. Yeah, yeah, I get you. I get you. 
What I'm getting at is I don't like a lot of people. (laughs) (laughs) The level of anxiety in antisocial groups is a crucial factor. Beersner said, because significant psychological differences exist between antisocial subgroups with high or low levels of emotionality. The more emotional antisocial group is more hostile, less self-controlled, and both less responsive and efficient in interpersonal situations than the less emotional antisocial subgroup. I would agree. Other researchers have postulated that the high anxiety of the emotional antisocial subgroup may interfere with performance, leading to more sick calls and avoidance of cold weather dives. I think the cold weather thing is, is again, a wisdom. I shouldn't sure, say cold yeah, weather, yeah. the cold water. It's cold water, isn't yeah, it? Yeah. Or it's cold weather. As you get older, you're like, I don't need that. I don't need that badge. I already earned it. I, I don't need to. <laughs> Plus, you, it's, yeah, you don't feel like putting yourself in physically uncomfortable positions on situations, I should say, yeah. on purpose. Well, Versus well, a night look, dive isn't necessarily... It's not that taxing. That's mental. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. mental. If people have a problem with it, you know, the dark underwater, that's a mental thing. It's not a physically, you're like, ouch, I don't like this. I'm uncomfortable. It's mentally it's a psychological Yeah, exactly. I get you. Yep, I get you. And I think this is exactly where, when we did the the few shows about C-Lab, this is where I think a lot of the military personnel were looked at on a lot of these traits right. for these very things, for these very reasons, mm-hmm. trying to figure out who is right, who is appropriate. Well, right? We yeah. talked about that a little bit. Yeah, you'd have to go through a good, it's just like you know an astronaut, anywhere where you're going to be psychologically pushed to the edge, and that's isolated. It's diving. That's underwater. You know, it's cave diving. That's if you go on a long cave dive, pick your buddies carefully. You do right. not do a four-hour to eight-hour cave dive with any Joe Blow cave diver or any Joe Blow diver. Period. But any blow, even Joe Blow cave diver, a long time in a confined space where you cannot exit the water, and that's even a, a decompression deep. Trimix dive, although the times, you know, two hours, you might be decoing out in open water. You don't want to push that, right? You don't want to push deco obligations in the big open water. But long dive, you can't go to the surface. You you need to realize that that affects the anxiety level. It affects people psychologically. You know, it's like being imprisoned. Yeah, it is. Beersner noted the importance of screening out such persons from saturation diving projects such as Sea Lab and Tektite. However, oh, look. see there? Did you already read this article? <laughs> Come on, we're both so, we're no, supposed I just, to come in cold, no, no, baby. I just, I just grabbed the magazine and just reached in, opened it. Almost. Well, I thought that's not, find a page To me, that would be an awesome show. You just grab one, spin the wheel, baby. What do we get today? And we start reading it and we go off our cuff. Next week. And then the funny thing about it, though, is like we could be going off and then at the end of it, it's completely opposite what we thought. It would be pretty funny. Beersner (laughs) noted the importance of screening out such persons from saturation diving projects such as Sea Lab and Tektite. However, he commented, 
the paradox in which those with high levels of chronic anxiety volunteer for and apparently succeed at, a most stressful occupation remains unresolved. Whether they use diving as an outlet for the physiological arousal that accompanies anxiety, as a means of avoiding interpersonal activities, which may be the major source of anxiety, or for some other purpose, remains to be determined. So they're still trying to figure all this out at the time. Yeah. And we're going to go into the military elite and pros next. We're going to eventually come back and link this to the sport diving community and how this all all plays out for, for everybody. I, I told you this is kind of a big mm-hmm. big article that I was looking at. I thought it was kind of fun, and I wasn't sure where it would go. But it's an interesting one, a little bit different from us, not the typical silly little... Uh, is it really different? I mean... Can we be boxed into like this is our no, typical we can't. show? We can't. Our, so it's we're, not really we're different. We're it's, everywhere. It's diving, and this is actually a great aspect of diving. This is something I like. If if I were not doing this podcast and this podcast came on, I would actually turn it on and listen to it because this stuff. This is uh, the, the this interesting is the meat stuff that you don't. Yeah, you don't. Of, you don't really hear much in the in the. Of the community diving. talk. Well, that's what I mean. This is the when I say this meat is, and potatoes. This is, this diving is the into community interesting. Yeah, breaking yeah. it down. Yeah, I'm with people, you, man. I'm with you. Why you get into diving? Because I've always, I've often thought of why did I? You know, it's a big part of my life. So why did I choose it? Oh, and I and and I always say I didn't choose it. It chose me, right? It's cliche, but well, you know that that's I think that goes right into this very very talk is, right did it choose you yeah i think it did mm-hmm. did you choose it i think, I think you I did, think right. You did right. right so it, it is that we two-sided cross paths. Yin and the yang yeah. that you talked about earlier for sure right so yeah it kind of picked me mm-hmm. i kind of picked it it grew me mm-hmm. and then like i figured out a way to grow it within me as well mm-hmm. to get to where i am today yeah no doubt about it yeah so Anyway, yeah, and I think I don't, that's I don't, what I think that's ultimately what I like to to see out of divers, and I and I know that's the divers that I like to be in the water with. If I'm going to go diving, and I know that I want to have fun, mm-hmm. it's the people that who have made diving not just another card to get, mm-hmm. but have made like a personal, psychological, emotional change in their. Behavior, behavior. Yeah. yeah, yeah, in their being, yeah, right. It, I mean, those well, are the people a, that I enjoy being because you can share something on a different, different level with. Other than, right. did you see the parafish? Well, right, yeah. It's a meditation, is what it. It's not meditation in the tool of like clearing your mind for the moment. It's a meditation in the sense of it's a growth machine. Learn about yourself if you do it long enough. Yeah, it is there to teach you about yourself. Yeah, and if you if you really get into it, you're going to find the, the things about yourself that you like, as well as the ones that well, you, you don't, don't like. like. Yeah, and and you can discover a way to make yourself better. And right, I th- and I think a lot of people would look at scuba diving like what? Yeah, how? Do, wh- what? You just swimming around looking at fish? False. No, man, you 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 haven't had the right education then. Mm-hmm. 
Exactly. I concur. That's and again, you haven't had the yeah. right experiences. Then. Right. Right. Exactly. It's so much more than that. I I believe it can be, and it should be. I mean, that's that's why I'm antisocial with the um, <laughs> anyone who's not diving the way I am. <laughs> Anyway, that's okay, uh, well, a good point to... Um, to uh, your um, radical, guilt-prone shrewdness is starting to shrewd. <laughs> Maybe that's where I am shrewd. I'm, I am going to be shrewd with no, the just, time oh, investment. Those are the first, <laughs> <laughs> just the first three adjectives <laughs> I read off my list here. Okay. okay Anyways, no. all right, guys. Well, this has been a uh, fun little dive into our personality traits. Deep, it's a deep dive are, into our yeah, psyche is what it is. This into is your psyche, you the listener. Psyche. So where do you fit into this, people? Because this is about you guys as much as, as it is about us. And uh, stay tuned for part two when we wrap this whole thing up. Yeah, any of you psychopaths out there, drop us a line. <laughs> Let us know where you fit in. All right, people, take care. Yes. Uh, it's a grab long your stage one. bottle. This, this is a long, long one. one. Blah, blah, blah.